hey hey kids who wants to talk about new universe comics <laughs> that's crusty the clown i was not going to do the voice <laughs> <laughs> well welcome uh back again in our issue twos uh so as usual i'm andy here to talk about night mask number two and i'm steven here to talk about sci force number two so we've made it to the twos Right. Yay! Yay. <laughs> the enthusiasm is palpable. Yeah, I like the issue too. So they've been good so far. <laughs> good. So to to clarify the situation with Marvel's publishing schedule, these uh, issue twos are now part of the second publishing month, um, and so everything that we see in the solicit box in the Marvel news or the universe news is for the other things that are going on in this month. The first two issues public for the new universe, uh, Starbrand and Spitfire and the Troubleshooters had come out a month earlier than everything else. So one month of publishing the new universe goes for, with everything number two until it gets to Starbrand and Spitfire, which are then number three. So when we say, you know, that we're in the third month when we get to Starbrand, that's maybe incorrect. I don't know. Right. So we'll have to stop describing things by month or just be a little careful for it. But yeah. So, and it also lists Spitfire ahead of Starbrand, but again, the, the comics themselves aren't necessarily coming out in chronological order uh, as far as things go. And we even have a time time jump in Nightmask and like a direct like panel by panel follow up. I think in Cyforce number two picks up right where the last one did. Yeah, the time uh, situation is a little. Uh variable from yeah. from uh, title to title but um, which is probably okay it would be hard to keep track of like if you had to wait for things or had to try and keep things in real time which i think they suggested that they kind of wanted to do is like a real time piece but if you're really beholden to that you know that, that could certainly get in the way of storytelling a little bit <laughs> yeah i think uh, i i saw one of the writers or editors saying at a later point that as long as things sort of sync up like over the year, they would be happy. Right. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a crossover, then you assume that both of those books have so much time, the same amount of time has elapsed, but um, while you're on your own, you can go as fast or as slow as you want. And then, right. Well, then catch up. <laughs> Gotta catch up. Maybe. Yeah. Do you, want to, do you want to talk at all about all the other things coming out for Marvel at the time? It's kind of an interesting list. Yeah. It's um, impressive that Marvel was really, um, you know, hitting, hitting a stride at this point. Um, the, the regular uh, series of the core uh, Marvel universe are, uh, going well some of them have spin-offs already yep um a couple of new things that i want i did want to mention are um strike force moratori number one and the nam number one yeah both of which are kind of um 
I don't know. I, I, I sort of think of them as related in spirit to the new universe because they're, they have sort of um, reality based um, ideas behind them. Right. Um, did you ever read Star- Strike Force? I did not. I read a little bit of the NAM, but nothing for Strike Force. So. So the NAM, obviously, uh, we were talking about Mer- with Merck and how war comics are hardly existent at this point in time. Right. Um, and the, the NAM was meant to be like a very non-glamorous view of uh, a grunt's life in Vietnam and then go month by month through the whole uh, time of America's involvement there. So yeah, they it'll ever- also have a real time element. Right, they advertise it as a unique eight-year limited series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't specific. think it went the whole distance, but um, it did have a decent run. Strike Force Moratorium was maybe a year-long limited series. I, I kind of forget, but it was a, like a science fiction um, superhero where there was a alien invasion. I know, I know, reality based. I know. <laughs> um, well, this is, you know, just conceptually because there's an alien invasion and they think how to fight them is to give people superpowers. But the way they do that will be sure to kill them within a year. Uh, so these guys, characters all have like a ticking clock over their heads. So yeah. it's. it's almost cut across like new universe right so we're launching this whole new universe we have all these interesting titles we have a war book but also a vietnam book right we've got new superhero books but also these other new superhero books that aren't new universe right you know it, it also even just practically it seems strange to be like and here's more new series just the month yeah. after the new universe has launched like you would think you'd kind of clear some of that schedule out so you're not like competing with your other new titles. Right. Um, I mean, if that was the only new series that had launched within two or three months of anything else, it may have made even more of an impact. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there's definitely, it seems like in the last, or in, in the, around this year, there's a lot of new stuff, right? So they're making comics or about the Transformer movie and the Howard the Duck movie to go with their Transformers comics. There's a ton of G.I. Joe. Um, X-Men are in the like introduction of the Morlocks sort of era, but also have spun into New Mutants and X-Factor, which had been going in a while. But then also classic X-Men started around here too. So just, yeah, a lot of books. Yeah, they are flooding the market a bit, but um, it's also sort of very self-reflective with things like Marvel Saga, like you said, classic X-Men. Yeah, Marvel Um, Tales, Marvel Saga. Universes, digests, official handbooks, Marvel Age, a lot of stuff about Marvel, by Marvel, you know. Yeah. And then Heathcliff. And then and top dog. Who can forget those two up? Yeah, the the star comics are quite uh, alive. The the titles for kids, right? Epics doing great. Moonshadow is a great uh, series. Okay, uh, fully painted. I think. You notice uh, Electra Assassin. I was just uh, we were just talking off 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 mic about um, 
Vilsenkovich at the time, and he's already gone from um, Moon Knight and New Mutants to um, Electra Assassin, that like full color, maybe also full painted. Um, right. Is that first Electra as well? Is that like her um, character introduction or no? I don't remember. No, she was introduced in, in Daredevil before that. Okay. And um, but this is yeah, written by Frank Miller. Um I'm gonna say he's gone he's done Ronin for DC in '85 and maybe Dark Knight Returns already. Okay, and probably the Wolverine series at this point. Yeah, that would have been a couple years before. So yeah, Miller had been a real, you know, fast rising star in the like three to four years before this. And Sinkovich has gone within a couple of years, maybe. New Mutants are at 46. I think the Demon Bear Saga was around 25 or something. Mm-hmm. So it's been a couple of years since he sort of started making his name. Uh, yeah, so you don't see a lot of uh, artists and writers cited in it's just West Coast Avengers number 15, yeah. Alpha Flight number 41, introducing the purple girl. She's purple. Oh, yeah. We all remember the purple girl. And the girl. Um, but anyway. Somebody's so, yeah, Mar- paying money for that now, hoping that she shows up in a Marvel series. <laughs> well, a <clears throat> TV series. So it kind of, I still wonder, because um, in some ways, having a big publishing schedule like uh, Marvel had at the time and a lot of success makes it easy to try out new ideas. Hey, let's try the, this new universe all at once. Why not? Yeah. You know? We've got plenty of money and plenty of successful series. But uh, on the other hand, it's also easy to get lost in all that and then be like, why are we publishing Merc when we could just put out another X-Men title? Right. So you kind of have, you have to hit like just the right month almost for, for some of these um, things to have lined up. But, right. And uh, just the classic problem as, as a comic reader, you might say, you know, this whole universe is launched and all with the same banner, you know, so you, you might want to read all of the books, right, to kind of get the whole experience thinking, uh, but then also that's eight books and you might already have three Spider-Man books if you're a fan or, you know, four X-Men books and just, you know, think trying to follow it all is a lot. So I could imagine uh, quickly deciding which ones you want to stick with and which ones you don't. If you tried the whole new new universe, unlike us who have the whole series, though I think I'm still missing Cyforce number twenty four at this point, but I got time to get it. Okay, <laughs> well, yeah, we've got time. The um, few minutes. The at each um, each issue is a mere seventy five cents, so it's only six dollars for the full new universe each month. Yeah, which I think is my favorite comics price because. A lot of the stuff that has 75 cents on it seems good. <laughs> Those were uh, good years. Yeah, it uh, must have stayed that way for like a decade or so. It seems like, yeah, almost everything from early 80s to early 90s. Yeah, I think it didn't stretch into the dollar until the 90s, but I might be wrong. Then perhaps exp- exponentially since then. <laughs> well, once they, they jumped to the um image printing um advancements 
all the other comics uh, companies also, you know, the computer coloring, the nicer paper, all of that. Right. Then the prices jumped uh, two or three times in rapid succession. Them computers be expensive. <laughs> yeah, they were like, uh, I don't know. They were not uh, things everyone just had on their desktop at the time. So. Yeah, this is true. All right. So are we ready for some Night Mask? Let's jump into Night Mask. Ready for some hide and seek? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get our Night Mask on. All right. That sounds like we're going to bed and wearing one of those beauty masks. <laughs> I was glad to see this podcast has been rated clean. So I will. Oh, yeah. You. Let's try not to screw that up. <laughs> uh, so, night mask number two. Um, so, uh, on our cover, we have night mask and someone in red holding a gun on him, uh, with a lineup of people and maybe some New York City skyline on the background and a, a dead person in the front as well. It's it's a interesting cover, um, which will make more sense when we get into the story as well. Um, but Night Mask 2, so we still have Archie Goodwin, our creator and writer for this issue. Uh, we have a new artist, um, Ernie Cologne, right, who wrote a lot of Richie Rich, <laughs> which is kind of oh, neat. No. Um, this is only Night Mask issue. So he only did number two. Also wrote the 9-11 report graphic novel, as it turns out. Oh, nice. The man's got yeah. range. <laughs> I, he's a um, a guy I I sort of group in. There was a lot of um, Latin X, I guess we call them now, uh, mm-hmm. names in uh, the '70s um, from Spain and the Philippines and South America. A lot of guys came into the comic American comic artist market yeah. around then with uh, really great skills. And it turns out apparently he was a Puerto Rican. Uh, from new york uh, oh okay so yeah so uh and for the most part puts together a really nice comic book here art wise in my opinion so um to recap a little bit there is a recap section in this comic where they kind of go back and tell the story uh but uh we have brother and sister duo keith and teddy where keith is night mask and teddy is his sister uh, Keith was in a coma and um, was dreaming when he was flashed by our white event and gained the power to enter people's dreams. And Teddy, who was his sister, uh, who's in a wheelchair, was sitting by his bedside and gained the power to pull him out of those dreams. So he needs her to get out, essentially. Um, and his parents were dream researchers, of course, uh, killed by a terrorist in an airport. Um, and that's kind of set the stage for most of the kind of the story and conflict so far. Uh, we also met Dr. Ballard, who's the, who was the doctor and kind of helped them and helped him learn to practice going into dreams and Lita, the physical therapist who has joined their team for some reason. Um, <laughs> but essentially, and then, uh, uh, Mr. Kleinman is our villain that we know. So in, in our last issue, we went into the dream of the terrorist who dropped the bomb, who left the bomb, but injured himself badly. And it seemed like his boss, Kleinman, uh, who was also 
Teddy's parents, you know, stay with us here, right? Teddy's parents mentor in dream research was trying to kill them. Um, but then also perhaps raiding the dreams of this poor, uh, you know, guy who left the bomb in the airport and trying to finish him off. And that's where Teddy ran into him as the evil gnome. <laughs> right, so gnome. That's a yeah, bit of we a all mouthful, understand but... the hatred we have for former collaborators who scoop us with some <laughs> paper that comes right. Um, yeah, sort of a pre- preemptive approach to that, I guess. Yeah. You, once you get that doctorate, I think you just you tend to skew evil. <laughs> right? But <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll meet him uh, later on again and, and get, we start to get a little more look at who our villain really is, who mostly we've only seen in the dream world up, at the, up until this point. Um, but yeah, so we, we start uh, in a dream. So we have Nightmask in his costume, sort of all black with a flowing cape with a bunch of pieces, and he's got his characteristic moon scar uh, looking for Henry. And so the scene is basically just an open field with a road and a lot of people all lined up who don't look particularly happy. Uh, but again, the art's really well done. Uh, the, the characters have real faces and characteristics. They don't just kind of look like land comic characters there's a woman and a man and an older woman and a scowling guy with a mustache and right? um yeah looking... it's almost uh, like if you yeah it seems very like a uh, re- photorealistic well i mean like drawn from life let's just yeah say. drawn from life for sure yeah and so uh we're getting the impression that uh keith Nightmask is kind of over it as he's he's looking for uh Henry, uh, who in the dream is a little boy, is basically hiding from him. So there's this big lineup. Uh, the kid doesn't want to come out. He doesn't want to see what's at the end of the line, right? So that's what he's afraid of. He doesn't want to know what's at the end. And Nightmask is trying to reassure him. It's like, nothing could be that bad. Like, it's okay. We'll get through it. He, he convinces him to come up to the front or to a, a toll in the road. Again, just kind of like an empty landscape. And there's a kind of creepy guy with no eyes and a red, almost like military uniform like, going on who is, says next and Teddy freaks out, right? So uh, it's too much for him. He goes running. My mask is frustrated and gives the impression they've been trying this for days and days and days. And he's a miserable little wimp. <laughs> which he does seem to be <laughs> so so yeah so Hen- henry is the child in the dream he goes running away you know they, they pull him out um uh, dr ballard is sitting there in the room uh with night mask who's going through the dream and his sister who pulls him out and they're like did he really call him a wimp <laughs> he's just saying that out loud uh, so, so we learn the dream, though, then, is actually the dream of Henry Salinger, possibly the most respected man in medical research. They, they don't give his uh, university credentials like... A- oh, yeah. <laughs> we got a lot of good university credentials in the first month, but they haven't been following up so much. Now they're just... Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... he's about to receive a humanitarian award which we're learning uh but he doesn't want to so our our dream team is set to help him out which honestly sounds kind of boring but it does get a little more interesting it's uh, it's a little undefined he 
like doesn't want to get an award and is slightly depressed is how it kind of comes across in the first place where you're really wondering why this was <laughs> elevated to this crisis situation yeah but but in essence it's also like nice night masks first real job right so he's trying to do this to help people now not just learning to figure out his powers but he's actually trying to to work to figure things out now so uh, but yeah so that's the opener we learn more about that dream a little bit later um but yeah so we learn a little bit about the doctor uh, ballard who's helping uh, night mask out he's from haiti um and you know their first job is to uh, help fix this guy who refuses to be awarded uh there's a lot of a lot of conversation here this one's very text heavy um you know a lot of kind of going into that uh, background and just trying to understand where they're headed from here. Um, Dr. Salinger is again, you know, he just seems kind of out of it. So, so, you know, they're trying to convince him to stick with it, you know, give him other options. He's like, eh, he's not really excited about it. He really just doesn't want uh, to go on, but he's willing to keep up with the dream treatments uh, as far as things go. Dr. Salinger's chauffeur comes to pick him up and it just looks like he kind of ignores him and wanders off. Uh, so he's not having a good day. But I, I do like the, the greatest scientist in the world. Why can't they just accept that I don't need awards and recognition? Right. Things a scientist will never say. Yeah, right. Though <laughs> no, it is also funny because you know we, the government in this is also extremely pushy because they don't want the president to look bad uh, by promoting this big award for the guy who's not going to show up or doesn't want it, kind of thing. So no one, yeah. So this is to accept someone accepting it on his behalf, I guess. Late, uh, late in the Reagan administration. Um, yeah, so I guess. Yeah, he's our never president mentioned. Would be Reagan me. then, right? Supposedly, but you know, it's yeah. it's interestingly off-screen for a, for a super realism. Right. So, um, with the Salinger out of the way, then we get a little bit of character development. Um, uh, night mask keith and his sister are kind of go off you know he's kind of taking her about town they get interrupted by uh lita the or estralita mercado physical therapist uh who, who's joined the team um to help them work out basically um but he wants he wants to take teddy's sister into town but the pt decides you know it'd be good for her to go on her own right you got to learn you know figure that out so then we get some exercising <laughs> i think she's also stopped using uh spanish in every like third word it's like <laughs> hey uh teddy de nada and uh, let's go over to here por favor well they've um, already established that she speaks spanish right so it's like we never okay take it down again. a notch there lita <laughs> we also have that they're established in georgetown the um district in washington dc so uh, that's right so um our physical therapist takes teddy to do some working out because of course if you're in the dream world uh, it helps to work out right so we get kind of you know dreams 
still have their own logic, right? If you work out in the real world, you should be stronger in the dream world. I don't know where you learn that stuff, but I guess it kind of works. <laughs> it's a, uh, I mean, why not? And yeah. he does, it does seem to be working. He seems to be in great shape. Yeah, he looks super buff. I, there's a good line where he's like, I didn't really want to be a jock type. I want to be more of an intellectual. <laughs> and the, the, the new universe mentions jocks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Jocko. <laughs> Not usually in the most flattering terms. Uh, but yeah, everyone looks super buff. Lita is half naked. I think that might be why she's in the comic. But um, you know she's on the team right so we have sort of their leader we've got night mask and teddy who he needs to do his dream research and we have a physical therapist <laughs> so we go into a little bit of recap which i've already sort of covered um about his battle with the gnome and his, ex- and his explosion that killed his parents uh that he barely survived and put him in the coma uh and then we go to uh dracula's castle or something <laughs> stirring over I think there that's exactly Zurich. what i wrote down right it totally looks like dracula's castle <laughs> I'm like zurich you know modern zurich uh, dracula's castle. i think we had a shadow version of zurich castle last issue but here we get to see it in the daytime um and it, it, yeah it's like a lot of turrets and peaks and such um and and this one this is actually pretty in, in, impressive so we get to, a little bit of Kleinman himself. So his goons are around him, you know, talking about how they're trying to recover. So at the end of Night Mask, you know, after he was defeated, right, his lab kind of got wrecked and he got injured and he hasn't quite recovered yet. And he's not up to stuff. Um, if you turn from page nine to page 10, um, Kleinman is terrifying looking. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I was not expecting him to look so frightening. Um, he's got you know crazy bed hair that's white right his eye he's got one eye that's uh you know almost zombie like and kind of tired and uh <laughs> shadowed another <laughs> one that looks like a robotic lens he's got kind of like half of a cyborg head like yeah cyborg from DC. and like Ace. a good three quarters of his forehead is brain tissue looking <laughs> like i don't know if that's i can't tell to- is that burn or brain yeah it looks like brain but it could be burn and either way it's it's scary <laughs> it's well done art but that one took me aback and he's got one robot hand and he's, he's a mess <laughs> <laughs> now i think it said um uh, something like three weeks later or like three weeks ago we did this other thing that that was like the time frame we oh, were working we on timestamp um yeah if i'm missing i don't know how yeah i think we can check back but it's been a little while and they but considering how messed up he is that's like right yikes (laughs) yeah so you know we get the impression that you know people want to see him as a doctor but he's out of commission and but he's kind of interested in uh, kind of getting revenge and get, striking back and so they mention a woman who's unstable but has natural talent uh we won't meet till the end but okay lita says three weeks ago i quit her her hospital job okay so it's been three weeks since then and so we kind of get them mid rolling into their new business and we also get the impression they've been working with uh, salinger for a little while Nightmask is bored of going into the same dream over and over again. Um, 
so so we get a little character development after i'm, I'm just waiting to turn the page because that face is creepy looking at me um but uh get me out of here so like teddy returns from her solo trip and she's bummed out um you know kind of talks a little bit about what it's like to be in a wheelchair and how you know the, the thing that bothers her the most is you know people not really noticing her because she's down low uh she also has a cool ghostbusters shirt on if we want to spin it positive mm. <laughs> i missed that yeah it shows up in a few so so they come upstairs and Nightmask is kind of restless and basically decides, well, let's let's spy on the dreams of Dr. Ballard, right? Our helpful doctor uh, who's uh, hooked them up with this dream business, essentially. Um, and so he's dreaming he's in Carnival, uh, which apparently they have in Haiti. I don't I don't know these things. That, yeah, I was like, is this New Orleans or, or Brazil? Brazil. Yeah. I, okay. So, so he's dreaming uh, with a bunch of costume, colorful characters or sort of the carnival scantily clad girls in big <laughs> headdresses uh, all leaning all over the guy. So he's having a good dream. And then we get this weird scene where there's a big statue uh, that's like half samurai, half, you know, thinly veiled Dr. Salinger holding a coffee cup. <laughs> And Ballard freaks out because there's people working to kind of tip it over, right? So <laughs> they're trying to break his idol, right? A fallen idol? Oh, no. <laughs> so Some of the on, dream imagery isn't as, confu- as uh, mysterious as... Yeah, it's a little on the nose there. <laughs> Stop, that's sacred. You mustn't harm it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it breaks. Nightmask kind of jumps in to save him from getting crushed. I don't like if if he gets hurt in a normal dream that has nothing to do with dream invasions. Like, isn't that okay? I don't know. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, always the way. It's always worked for me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I haven't died in a dream yet. <laughs> so my dreams mostly involve like going back to high school and not remembering my locker combination <laughs> or something. So. Don't really need night masks help for that, I guess. Um, but so 34 22. Don't Thanks, away. Masks, stranger. <laughs> uh, but uh, and so then everyone's back together again, kind of scolding night mask, like probably rightfully so, for kind of breaking into his dreams. And uh, Lita, of course, is flexing her muscles and threatening him for uh, serious workout punishment. <laughs> You know, Lita reminds me of Big Barda here. Yeah. Mr. Miracle's wife. Um, yeah, it has this sort of outgoing personality and is very physical. Um, and just sort of, since she's not directly connected, we're just kind of hoping she stays around, even though that doesn't. Yeah, so. I imagine she'll come into play more later, but you never know. And, you know, but yeah, instead of like, It'd be great if she was the one like running around town, roughing people up to help solve the mystery. You know, the sort of second front of yeah. uh, He handles the dream world. She handles the punching people in the face world. Exactly. (laughs) Don't even need a mega rod. Yeah. So, uh, so we get introduced to sort of our issues villain our government bureaucrat 
uh, Deke Griswell, the White House public relations staff. Ooh, I don't like him already. <laughs> I'm just dying here. <laughs> it was really like, you know, he's really adamant that Salinger better damn well accept that award, right? You know, it's like, so he, he's putting pressure on everybody to, to get it done, <laughs> which is kind of a funny premise, but <laughs> yeah, so I agree. Yeah, the, all these um, free clinics have government funding, and they, they, he's sort of threatening that. And, yeah, he doesn't want the president to look bad. And that seems to be about all he cares about. <laughs> um, so, I mean, not, not, not only one page away from getting scolded about entering people's dreams, uh, Nightmask and Teddy decide it's not a bad idea to sneak back into Salinger's dreams while he's napping. Right. So uh, it's explained that this power is that he can enter, he can re enter dreams kind of any time of anyone he knows. Right. So if he's done it before, you know, he can kind of pop back in. He doesn't have to be sitting nearby or next to him. Uh, so once he's made that connection, he has it. And then um, so he kind of intuitively knows that uh, Salinger is asleep somewhere. And so they think, well, you know, let's take a look at what his dream looks like when he's not in the office and he's not on guard um, and it looks scarier. Yeah, so uh, Nightmask gets back into our reluctant awardee Salinger's dream and it looks more like a war zone now, right? So it's wrecked streets, broken buildings, looks like a German tank kind of thing sitting on the side. Um, and Henry Salinger in kid form in the dream, you know, he, he catches him running. Uh, but yeah, this, this looks a lot nastier than what we had before. Um, and again, you know, what he's afraid of is what's at the head at the end of the line. He, he's deathly afraid to see like where all this lineup of people is going. So we see our people again, you know, now in the backdrop of New York city. Um, he's wondering why, why New York city trying to make that connection. Um, and there's another good panel, uh, page 15, you know, with these nice realistic faces. And um, young Salinger and Nightmask, you know, are, are looking over, you know, seeing where to go. You know, we see next, you know, as they're all headed towards this broken building. And like a good half of the characters in the line are looking at us on the page, um, which I don't think I caught the first time, but yeah, definitely kind of creeps me out. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point right so i don't know if they're breaking the fourth wall or what there but it's, it's a neat little touch right so basically um not one for subtlety night mask drags the kid to the end of the line right so we're going to find out what's going on here we're going to confront your fear uh what could go wrong um as it turns out his fear is all the people coming to the end of the line are getting shot right so there's this you know, military goon in a red outfit. You know, we just see him from behind with a whole bunch of guns saying next. And just every time everyone walks up, he's just blowing them away. Um, so, so there's our cover image, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like, but not pointed at night mask. <laughs> right. And so again, with the, the narrations here, uh, night mask says, I'm not sure when the screaming starts. I almost clamp a hand over Henry's mouth to make him stop until I realize it is me and the screaming is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> so woof, like the big statement it's... there, uh, though, 
and he says no not after mom and dad no more deaths or even night mask is kind of freaked out by this dream you know tackles the guy who's shooting everybody in line kind of drags him down by his feet confronts him getting face to face with the monster and the monster is uh our salinger right so um he looks befuddled after he's been kind of busted and so then we get the child version and the adult version who is doing the killing you know no not me i'm an innocent as a child believe me please i'm innocent uh so poor guy's a little messed up <laughs> i like the, the the sort of double double imagery of the child and the old man then sort of blending together which yeah they both have the same round glasses and even as Teddy screams for me to come back, I'm already attempting to flee, flee from the pain of Henry Salinger. Right. So <laughs> she brings him back out of the dream world. Uh, not too nice. It's not so good. Um, but you know, our, our characters show up out of nowhere. It's kind of hard to say if, if they're in like an office building or, or in an apartment, uh, but they're all together still sort of. And uh Dr. Ballard pops in and kind of busts them for uh, breaking into the dream. Uh, but Night Mask is pretty sh- sure uh, Salinger's not in a good state. Like, we better go check on him. Like, you know, things are not looking good. And, and he's right. So as it turns out, they, they drive to his apartment, you know, to find him. Uh, people are trying to contact him, but they think they know where he is. Um, but basically drive up and he's up on the fourth floor on the ledge. Uh, looking like he's getting ready to jump so right. confronting his fear in the dream world did not go so well so yeah he says um i was thinking like some dumb super character lucian expecting to fight some tangible monster so yeah a little self-awareness of this yeah and again this is our only really costumed character but only in the dream because he needs to kind of protect his identity and yeah so uh yeah so night mask our keith you know jumps up on the fire escape and kind of climbs up to try and rescue him trying to talk him out of it um where salinger then kind of fills him in on what's going on so uh he had developed some sort of injection uh, it's comic so of course it's a serum um that's experimental and the idea was to take violent people and you know make them less violent um the government learning about this you know decided they wanted to test this out um so of course you find a random population of poor people in central america to try it out on i guess right i, I would like to say that doesn't sound realistic but <laughs> i can't <laughs> um, yeah. um yeah so he says the vietnam war was still raging worldwide unrest you know we ne- i desperately needed the funds you know so he's a humanitarian um and so, so it's interesting that he that. developed the serum. I kind of I thought it, this was just something he was uh, administering to the people, but he had also helped develop it. Yeah, I didn't really catch that the first time. Yeah, so he was trying to treat criminally insane. They saw a wider application, didn't seem too bad, and uh, much like our dream, unfortunately, everyone who took the shot at that time died. <laughs> Right. So get a little uncertainty. Like he doesn't know if it was tampered with if the government kind of messed around with it. If it just doesn't work right on people that aren't violent and angry. 
um, that'd be a big jump. Should we give you the shot? Because if you're not criminally insane, <laughs> this is going to be very dangerous. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's hope our podcast is not flagged for uh, vaccine-related um, oh, uh, misinformation. Misinformation. Remember, this is an entirely fictional uh, yes. vaccination campaign waged in a entirely fictional Central American country. Only these imaginary people drawn on paper are dying. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's a rough scene, and so everyone dies. You know, the government are kind of the government agents are kind of ushering him away. They basically burned down the whole town to cover it up. Um, so yeah. We'll blame the commies <laughs> uh, as far as that goes. I don't know, like how um, the the government uh, they sort of Russian explanation uh, exposition yeah. out of this uh, one government agent, but it's it's quite uh, I don't know it's it's not exactly science fiction. To, you know, it's like no. uh, bl- it's like oh, you think the commies don't do worse? Um, you know, if they had that, they'd probably use it on New York or something. Right. And, and I think uh, that's the New York City skyline sort of dream connection there, too. So they're kind of tying everything up. So come on, Doc, don't be a child and innocent. And uh, yeah, even more, right? Because <laughs> it's the um, agent on the nose here to, to yes. <laughs> sum it up for us. But the the that these guys were were definitely like basically <laughs> poisoning an entire village of people, burning it down, blaming it on some rebel group, and then uh, leaving town is, um, yeah, again, it's a completely fictional comic. Totally fictional. <laughs> uh, so, you know, in our nice, wonderful fictional colorful dream world you know we go back to real life and salinger is just still wrecked he told the story but he's not feeling any better he just wants it to stop and basically he jumps right so he's jumping off the building but uh night mask grabs him he's kind of barely holding on by his jacket you know just trying to convince him you know it's not his fault like you know you've done so much good you know but the, the jacket's ripping uh, but just in the nick of time, uh, Dr. Ballard grabs him from one row down and kind of pulls him back to safety. Um, you know, and you know, basically, they, they've saved him uh, and all of that going on, um, rescuing the guy who either fallen or jumped to his death. And then, uh, you know, government PR guys down there with his hands on his hips pissed off. <laughs> Pull it right there. <laughs> So, like, not, not much, right? So, uh, not much sympathy there. He's he's just sort of mad. Um, you know, some psychiatrist, you should have your head examined for this fiasco. I barely got alerted in time to keep the police and fire department out of it. So, I guess he's agent cover-up, too. Um, <laughs> so, he's not happy with the, the treatment, <laughs> uh, although they which maybe is fair, I guess, if they pushed the guy to suicide. <laughs> um, but then... <laughs> Our suicide rate is now over 50%. It's under your first 50%. job, it's 100%. <laughs> oh, dear. It sounds... Yeah, it's, it's well, you know, technique has early days, you know. Yeah. So. 
Got a ways to go. Got to crack a few eggs. <laughs> Hopefully not on the sidewalk. Uh, but yeah, so um, you know they decide they're going to break with this agent who is kind of paying them and funding them. And like, we don't want to deal with you anymore. So they're kind of more likely to strike out on their own. And that's kind of where it's left with Nightmask. Uh, though our last page uh, is a little bit of foreshadowing in the Riviera. <laughs> and I love this guy. I mean, I, I'm not sure if he's dead, but uh, boy, howdy. I knew when I came over, when I, I knew when I come over here from Oklahoma, I was going to love the casinos. Shoot, gambling's what I do best. <laughs> so usually it's with stocks and bonds instead of a roulette wheel. <laughs> so gambling rich cowboy dude. <laughs> Warren Buffett in an early uncredited appearance. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so he's standing next to a woman who he's, he says, when I first saw you, you look kind of shy, shy proper. I figured no chance, only later. And she says, midnight, I don't truly come alive until then. Um, you weren't discouraged. You had dreams. I could sense that. So she's wearing basically like a black mini dress, but like a neck collar with huge spikes on it and giant, huge uh, gold hoop earrings. She's got like a black, mm, like bangs, Betty Page almost kind of looked to her. Um, so this is probably the woman that Kleinman was talking about before. Uh, so she's talking about this uh, Texas rich guy's dreams, uh, kind of jumps in, either kisses him or does something. It's kind of hard to tell. Uh, but he says, yeah, and then he's either unconscious or dead. Um, and Kleinman's goons who were there earlier show up and says, so lustful, so careless, Vivian, that was... That is what led to your first stay at the Institute. <laughs> um, so yeah, she's working for Kleinman. Uh, our next issue is called Mistress Midnight. Something interesting, maybe she goes through some sort of transformation around midnight. You know, we don't know yet, um, but we've set up our next nemesis for Nightmask by the end of the issue, it seems. So that, that part is good, yes. Yeah. Um, she is... Uh... A little bit like Viper um, in the Marvel universe. Yeah, um, I can see that. She, she, I'm, maybe it's because she's in the Riviera. I'm thinking like French Vietnamese or something for Annette. She seems possibly Asian, but that's just it's hard to uh, tell. Yeah, a possibility. We also have a nice uh, in-house ad across from that with. Um, for the new universe again, this time with all the heroes in a sort of um, standing on a mountaintop kind of yeah. lineup. What I like about that image is if you look at DP7 and our doctor with astro projection, he's like in some kind of white, strange Evo suit. <laughs> like, like the character is not right there. Like he wears no costume in the whole series, but he's like all white, white goggles and some kind of helmet. <laughs> It's. It looks a little like he, he just got out of um, surgical uh, theater or something. He's, uh, That's generous. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, I don't really have a good explanation. <laughs> I think they just screwed up the design on that one, or they changed yeah. it, and that was early. I don't know, but like he's white yeah. and the astral projection is black. I don't know. Yeah. They, you do have uh, Wayne 
over on the far left with Cyforce and uh, oh, who is it in uh, Scuzz in DP7 on the right. Yep. And uh, you're like, well, I'm glad we didn't put those two to get any closer because <laughs> you can't really tell them apart at this point in the uh, series. Yeah, I hope. I don't know if it will happen. I don't know if it will not, but I hope they meet at some point. <laughs> By the way, there's no, uh, the troubleshooters aren't there. That's They're true. We max just see the robot suit. No Jenny. No. Uh, no, we don't have the rest of Kickers Inc. either. Just Mr. Oh, Magnificent. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Magnificent, yes. Anyway, that's <laughs> I about think Night Mask 2 or something else. I think, uh, let's see. One, one thing I picked up, and, and so the Ballard, whose idol was uh, the character who's having the dream trouble, right? So his idol was Salinger. And so he mentions how he's kind of like a modern day Albert Schweitzer, which I, a right. name I did not know. Um, really? Really, I didn't know it. They, they yeah, they, that was like, people talked a lot about him back in the day. I guess it was a... Um, and I'm not really sure why. Yeah, it's it's not like there was a movie about him or something that yeah. everyone recognizes. Sounds seemed like he won a Nobel Peace Prize. He kind of did, you know, outreach, uh, you know, medicine and help in Africa. It sounds like you know the Salinger character was kind of like Schweitzer, or at least, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they mean they make that direct connection anyway. But um, and he was trying to like make up for the problems caused by the colonial days you know at least that's what i gleaned from the wikipedia page as i learned about this person uh because i didn't know too much but i didn't know the his motivations for it but yeah he was a he was also like a concert pianist or something who sort of dedicated himself to yeah um medical um developing clinics in africa yeah and helping people there. i mean for, for all the differences you know it would be sort of a nicer era and of course you know there's always problems but you know it's like the farther back you go the more likely our wealthiest people were like interested in the arts and the sciences and they'd have a lab in the early europe and like you know they would they would be maybe the only people allowed for these sorts of things because of that wealth but like they you know sort of the wealthy knowledgeable philanthropists kind of you know I'm, I'm not sure what happened to that personality type that we don't really get anymore but i think that's getting a little too far away from night mask but <laughs> i like that idea of you know probably because i'm a science teacher but you know yeah it's going uh, out there and being involved in everything comic books and chemistry you know it's like i mean in in pittsburgh you have a lot of stuff named after uh, andrew carnegie the library system uh, he really helped develop after his uh, industrial uh, fortune making um and a couple others i can't remember offhand but there's a real um the the days of those uh, american industrialists of the late 19th century and you know having like a big sense of noblesse oblige like oh i've made so much let me give so much back right i don't know sometimes uh the, the current crop will say stuff like that but um well results are still pending yeah, results are still pending 
Uh, let's just go to space. But yeah, so uh, so what do you think of Night Mask number two? Should we rate it? Uh, yeah, I do. I did appreciate the improvement of the art. Um, and the, the well, the story is a little light. It's, yeah. you know, it's reasonable. And uh, the, the giving us a, the villain, the ongoing villain and, you know, get re- come back for next time. We've got, you know, someone who's really going to be interesting is, yeah. is good. So well, B plus. B plus, okay. When I read it the first time, I was kind of down on it. it there's, a, there's a lot of text, right? And so for older comics, that's pretty usual. But I think, you know, you, you almost have to be in the right mindset to uh, enjoy it sometimes. If, you know, if you're a little tired, it's a lot to read. Uh, <laughs> a lot of backstory, you know, things like that. But it really does, you know, everything you'd kind of expect, right? So it moves the story along. We learn a little bit more about the characters. You know, they formed their team, but we're kind of jumped right into it instead of, you know watching them pick out a building or something like that which would be dull um uh the, the terrifying looking Kleinman uh and some of the faces in the book the art it's pretty good um and yeah so i think the you know the scientist who doesn't want to be awarded is maybe not the most compelling dream story but also i think they're still trying to stay pretty grounded at this rate right you know it's not like giant evil science lab uh you know and taking over a city you know it's you know, it's just kind of people in the background and, and so uh, the comic reader in me is maybe still looking for some of the big over-the-top stuff um though i though that's not what they're aiming for here and and, and so I, I appreciate that while i miss it a little bit uh, so i'd give it a b that's a lot of talking for a b but <laughs> I enjoyed it. I think still pretty much everything I've read New Universe has been uh, worth reading, which is nice. Yeah, it's uh, now that yeah, I think we've both been kind of uh, this issue wasn't so great, but then when I reread it, uh, you know, actually I do enjoy this. And yeah, and there's a decent amount of things to talk about too. So yeah, the um, yes. Totally more lost physical something. therapist though I, I i'm hoping to see more of the side characters i don't think the you know their sort of doctor leader benefactor uh ballard is terribly interesting but uh teddy and uh lita the pt i think could be more fun characters yeah again I, she has to punch out mistress midnight or something like that would be the best oh oh god I will get to 10. That does not have the scene yeah, does not appear. Not. But uh, yeah, it, it, it does have like a, a, you know, a TV show that where you've gone through the first episode and established things and you're just sort of get, you know, you're trying to establish a groove that they can go, go through for the next, for the rest of the season. And, and yeah, hopefully the, the, they'll, they'll have something. Kind of, they're kind of on the right track you know maybe they'll still take a few to find their footing but yeah, this seems um, a positive direction so yeah so far so good so far so good shall we go up move on to cyforce number two let's do it all right cyforce number two has a uh cover with um the kids are in uh, sort of a, a vacant lot uh, well with um several gentlemen shooting guns at them 
and um, Tyrone, uh, the jock, is in the center, and his astral form is jumping out of him, and these gentlemen are shooting at that this sort of ghost figure. And uh, there's a sign on one of the buildings, War in the Streets. I wonder what they sell in that store. <laughs> War in the Streets store. Gifts for mom. <laughs> My mom always did like war, but only when it's in the street. I've only got a few minutes to stop into war, war in the streets. I got to fix something. <laughs> uh, so this uh, issue two of Cyforce is um, by writer Steve Perry, uh, penciler Mark Texiera, both and. Uh, both from the first issue. And uh, inkers are Hilary Barta and Romeo Tangal. I, I know Tangal was on the first issue, but I thought someone else did, was also co-inking it the first time. Uh, Barta, I remember, did some indie comic in the 90s, but I don't remember much about it. I okay. Get a chance to go back and double check. Heads up, I'm losing your audio a little bit when you drift away from the microphone. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's always the trouble with the microphones. Oh, you're so much better. Oh, you have to stay in exactly the same place the whole time. Don't move. There's war in the streets. War in the streets. So, <clears throat> title of the this issue is Sanctuary, and there's a nice splash page where that is um, all the kids caught in sort of a spotlight as they're um with a brick uh, wall behind them. And they've got something wrapped up in a rug, um, which several of them are helping to carry. And uh, someone is shouting off, off, off panel, freeze, police officer. And uh, the kids are all, whoops, uh-oh. I think we should do what they say. Not me, Jocko, says <laughs> This panel so is to- great. <laughs> It basically me, introduces everyone's personality, <laughs> right? Yeah. The it's a um, gross, and Michael Crawley says "eep," and he's scared, and uh, Anastasia just wants to give up. And it's basically the entire issue. I think we should do as they say. The jock says, "There goes the ball game," and there's... Wayne is a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Cyforce again is uh, these five kids, and this time they go right into a lot of uh, recapping the previous issue. And yeah, this is just one issue that you're you've got to look back on, and they're spending two or three pages redoing it. So yeah, it's a bit recursive, but okay. And yeah, the the density of text. Um, Spoken dialogue and uh, narration boxes is impressive. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. The um, than art. Yeah, art's uh, still a little dark, but this is all at night. And yeah, this is taking place minutes after the first issue ended. So instead of uh, moving ahead in, in the timeline, we're, we're still at the same point. So these two uh, police officers stop these kids who they see carrying this thing and they say something about a rug store was broken into and what are you kids doing there and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. 
and uh, then uh, the, the the kids all have separate reactions to them. Um, you know, for Wayne, the question is threatening. No way am I letting the jerks see we got a dead man here. No one's gonna throw me in the can. <laughs> Kathy Lang, it's expected. I knew it was a mistake to hang out with this crowd. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, again, the, the personalities are very distinct. Yes. Um, we'll call them the Breakfast Club again. Right. With a little bit of weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> the um, so yeah, at the end of the first issue, Emmett Proudhawk was dead, and they said, let's take his body back to sanctuary for some reason. And, Reasons. Uh, the the um, teen crisis shelter that they were staying in. So they're carrying a dead body through San Francisco in the middle of the night, and they've been confronted by these police. And um, so uh, Anastasia says, I can explain everything. And then she explains everything <laughs> of the fir- that happened in the first issue. We all uh, got uh, high scores, uh, ESP tests, uh, Emma Bradhawk, list of eight, uh, Siberia, uh, uh, link together. Um, Cy Hawk that then killed this Russian guy and uh, Hawk was still dead. <laughs> and the cops are just sort of, are you on drugs? <laughs> um, controlled substances. So yeah, some controlled substances, yes. So um, they're like, check the rug. And um, the, the Wayne, of course, is, is, isn't having it. The cops notice there's a body in there and, of course, pull a gun. And uh, Wayne just pushes, which is the telepathic, you know, forcing someone to do something or think something. Um, uh, Wayne, we can't resist arrest. It's all over, man. You got no guts, Tyrone. Maybe you have no faith in your own abilities. But not me. Not me. (laughs) I can push these bozos right back where they came from. And then... uh, these two guys just kind of go blank and they wander off. Right. You and nice kids are no trouble at all. And they get in the car and drive off. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. The, the kids are like, Oh, how can we trust a guy who might do that? We never know if anything's our own idea. Mm. It's the, the Cyphors really has a lot of internal conflict with like, um, yeah, I mean, their powers aren't the same, so they don't even trust each other's powers yeah. in some ways. And they haven't known sense. each other for more than a few minutes for some of them. So that's also true. Yeah. It's that earlier that evening, all of this took place. So, right. Um, so everyone's like, oh, good job, Wayne. Thank you. Um, I didn't do it for you guys, I did it for myself. Yeah, bunch of bums. <laughs> uh, I hear that a lot from my my uh, young child. I want to do it myself. <laughs> Cracks me up all the time. So you're Wayne's dad. <laughs> so um, so Wayne says he's he's promised to bring Hawk back to Sanctuary, and that's what he's going to do. Meanwhile, back at Sanctuary, the the den mother there is uh, thinking a lot to herself about the, she should get rid of these kids because they're more <laughs> trouble than they're worth. She's probably right. And, 
Then uh, someone comes in who uh, tells her that she's got to go be a guest on a TV show. Yeah, that's like uh, most uh, social workers in San Francisco. She has a lot of appearances scheduled. Yeah. Well, it's San Francisco. Um, there's, <laughs> it's a little different. Maybe that's normal. Maybe. It's, um, so she, the, the woman who comes in is like, well, that's why you have a secretary. Me. She has a secretary? Really? Yes. I don't, she wasn't in last issue, right? Don't remember at all. So there, mark that down. Sci Force issue two, first appearance of secretary, Celine. Yeah. Colby's secretary, question mark? Key My issue. cast list. Um, so they, they head off and they're being watched by some uh, men in black, let's call them. Then across town at the site of where the, the big fight took place between the Russian uh, psychic agents and uh, the Psyhawk, um, they say that um, the police have gladly given way to federal agents, specifically CIA, which um, are, I thought, domestic, you know, prohibited from yeah, wouldn't have been an FBI. Yeah. A little strange. FBI is involved in justice, and I'm trying to think one of maybe one of the other series, but this one's CIA and KGB. Well, okay. So they're all confused by what happened, and um, they they find the the not dead, but I guess comatose uh, body of this Russian who had attacked them last time. The wolf. Mind wolf. Mind wolf. He looks shriveled. Brain was microwaved. (laughs) Brain was microwaved. So they take him to the hospital and we meet a new character, the Skipper, who seems to be a senior man in the, well, they just said CIA. And he thinks back to a few hours earlier in Washington, D.C. So I guess he's just flown across the country today. Yeah. I'm here just in time for this. Came all the so, way over here just so you can think about where you just were. <laughs> he's uh, in his memory. He flashes back to a meeting with the director, suppose I guess of the CIA, right? Who's telling him that um, Emmett Proudhawk had been acting erratically, and his they think um, um, he's gone rogue and is maybe now working for the KGB himself. So um, the director tells him to go find Proudhawk, who I guess is an old friend of his, and to set him up to be assassinated, basically. Yeah. So the, the skipper is not, can't believe that, but um, the director is like, I don't joke, especially about not about assassinations. <laughs> uh, Same here. <laughs> so here I am, San Francisco's stuck between a rock and a hard place. So he's trying to find Hawk to warn him. Uh, Hawk is, of course, dead. Yes. And wrapped up in a rock. (laughs) In a rock. Being slowly transported. So back across town, we have the the five kids um, still carrying Hawk's body and uh, still arguing amongst each other. Who died and made you king? Um, (laughs) They, 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 then, then Wayne really goes on a classic bender here with 
uh, cops don't scare me. My old man was a cop. They're just people. And most of them are jerks like my father. You want me to do my impression of him? It should be good for a laugh. Wayne Tucker, you miserable punk. I thought I beat some respect into you the last time. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, was it Judd Nelson in the breakfast club doing that? Like, hey, you know what I got for birthday last year? Pack of smokes. Smoke them up, Johnny. That's my old man. Yeah, that's, it's, that's it. That's it. Perfect. Right. Um, Tyrone says, you guys are such greasers. Stop it. No, wait. Tyrone's behind him. Who's that? Oh, yeah. That's uh, the girl. Yeah. Well, they're, they're all in red, kind of silhouetted. So it's kind of hard to tell, but. Yeah, sort of a long, long distance view there and uh, really indistinct. But in the next page, it's Tyrone, who's kind of holding Wayne down, is uh, sort of flailing around with his uh, um, impression of his father there, is about to smack Anastasia by accident. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so she seems to like him and is, you know, oh, uh, you know, it was all my fault. Wayne, please stay with us, Wayne. Okay, okay, ease up, Stashi. And uh, she takes the blame for everything. <laughs> yeah, okay. She's uh anyway, she's a very positive character, I guess. Then we flash back to the um, police uh, precinct where Skipper is talking to these two cops who interacted with the kids on the first couple pages. And they just say they ran into some kids and nothing happened. And uh, it's very suspicious um, how, how strangely they're acting. Usually um, they're very professional. So um, the skipper is wandering off saying, thinking to himself, I've never seen two men so confused. It's as if they've been drugged or hypnotized to cloud over what they saw. He thinks Hawk has done this, but of course we know it is the kids um the he's driving off from the precinct and uh, he gets a message on a radio uh, to to go meet the special forces group leader who's just arrived yep i think that's the whole name we get for him is special forces group leader too yeah i never got any anything yeah um He's, a, he's not like in a uh, military uniform. He's just in, like in a suit with uh, maybe sunglasses as a goatee or a close cropped beard. So he's kind of villainous looking, but he doesn't he look is. like a special forces guy like Mark Hazard, of course. So. Nope. Anyway, <laughs> they, he uh, picks the guy up and they have a quick talk and it says that, uh, no, there's nothing. I couldn't find anyone. Don't go to sanctuary. Uh, there's no the police didn't see anything um, so he's kind of covering up here and um, the guy tells uh tells skipper to to follow orders and then he gets out and gets into another car where he's like he, he can tell that skipper's not doing what he's supposed to so he's we should have everything that he says double checked does not trust him i don't trust him smash cut to later that night on channel six where the local uh Late Night Live with Susan Gilman is being filmed. Right. And we don't get to see her uh, like stand up routine in the beginning of the show, but <laughs> it must have been uh, pretty funny stuff. 
anyway more like a morning show but yeah it's late night live so <laughs> yeah it's um i guess it's not impossible to have you know more local uh shows on in, in the mid 80s um things weren't quite as like everyone watching the same thing all the time yeah um so we have this like local reporter questioning colby shaw the leader of sanctuary and they're she's just sort of saying uh, maybe some of these kids you're treating uh, are are actually kind of young criminals and maybe they're just bad kids Colby uh, doesn't think that different doesn't mean bad they're just uh, they've got a lot of uh, sometimes the problem kids are the ones who need help the most and the reporter is like yeah but maybe one of them will someday commit a serious crime and that'll put an end to sanctuary our polls say our your neighbors and the community as a whole would welcome that. Jeez. Yikes. <laughs> anyway, we're out of time. No comeback. No time for a comeback there. Neighborhood hates home for troubled children. Yeah, local news is always like, you know, hard on local social programs and uh, telling them they do too much for kids and stuff. Yeah. Maybe she had a run in with Wayne. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So smash cut back to the five kids. Um, they're, they're still wandering around. They go past a um, deserted uh, construction site, like a pretty tall building being constructed. Smash cut back to the pre- police precinct where a yep. special forces guy is talking to those two cops and they're um, suspicious story. And also they know that they told this story to the skipper so special forces guy is super suspicious of that guy now yeah the skipper lied to me these men just act just like that russian pilot we caught in anchorage proud hawk did something to him and he did something to these men too and so he, he takes off um he's like group leader this is a group leader i want all units to converge on sanctuary He's yeah, going to have everyone I'm suspicious that he has no name and also wears sunglasses at nighttime. So that guy uh, no it good. doesn't say much about his like going to be a continuing character. Certainly, it's like I didn't have time to name this character. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Yeah. First appearance, first named appearance. Three issues later, mm. possible. Um. So back at the construction site, uh, the kids are arguing and maybe some of the federal agents who are looking for them come across them. Hey, you kids. And uh, Wayne goes over to take care of them psychically again. These are, I guess, the federal agents because they're like, Proud Hawk is supposed to be with five teenagers. So these are, yeah. I don't know if they're the skippers agents or the special forces agents. Yeah, it's not clear. But they've tracked them down. <laughs> All right, Mr. Wise Guy. Yeah. Um, okay, feds, I can push too. I can push you right into next week. Is that what he told the first guys? <laughs> I can push these guys, these bozos, right back where they came from. Okay. So I don't know. Does Wayne have to say something like that to use his powers? Is that like Shazam <laughs> for him? Right. Or like. <laughs> Super spinning thunder kick. <laughs> I'm going to push so, you into next month. Ah, that's even stronger push. 
So the the it agents almost works. Almost works. The, the, there's five agents who who sort of wander off, but there was one in the car who sees that there was something going on, and well, there's a, you know he draws a gun. Kathy, that rat has a gun, and then everything just sort of goes goes to heck very quickly. Shots fired. I'm gonna keep that clean rating. Yeah. There. <laughs> um, so the, all those guys sort of wake up. So now you have six or more feds all with, armed with guns, all um, ready to shoot. So the kids are hanging by hiding behind some construction material, and they're like, um, what are we gonna do? So uh Tyrone. I'll take over now, Wayne, in my astral form. What are you going to do, Casper? Scare him to death? Maybe. <laughs> oh, could you catch my body? I forgot to like sit down before I did this. So, yeah, he leaves and he's flying over the, the car guys and it's like, boo. And they all, you know, shoot at him. Okay. He took the Casper comment to heart and just <laughs> said, boo. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing hey. how bloodthirsty the agents are, though. They're just, you know, firing shots. Yeah, the kids are um, happy that he's taken the um, heat off of them. He might be a jerko jock, but at least his plan is working. <laughs> ah, and uh, he's like, so, but it wears off quickly and they start, you know, they keep pinning the kids down with the gun gunfire. Kids are uh, still scared, and Michael um, offers to help with his pyrokinesis, whatever that was. He makes he can make things, things explode. explode. So he um, maybe he gets um, nudged by when Wayne tells him, you know, like "Don't," and seems to be grabbing at him. So he can't aim. His, let's just say his beans. shot goes wild, <laughs> and he's oops, I missed. I. He brings down this whole construction tower maybe on them yeah. and Kathy has to protect them with her telekinesis from being crushed under all this rubble oh, they're all pretty impressed with this the next page um, and Wayne is trapped under some rubble his leg is broken um, oh Stasi uh, heals him with her power Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> Wayne is a little <laughs> bit vulnerable. Then this is sort of a strange panel where it's, it's reading in the wrong direction. Um, because on the left, um, well, on the right, Wayne is stop, stalking off already. He's like, come on, you guys, let's get moving. And um, over on the left, it's Anastasia saying, he didn't even say thank you. Yeah. So it's because you're reading left to right, you hear, he didn't even say thank you. And then he starts walking away. It's kind of how it feels. Okay. Well, it's a little backwards, yeah. But um, let's see. You did great in my book. Everyone, the rest of the kids are, are supportive of each other. <laughs> um, back at Sanctuary, Colby meets up with the skipper. They start talking. And somewhere out there, the special forces guy tells everyone to converge on, uh, shoot on site at sanctuary and kill all the kids. 
the kids must be getting close as there's kid, there's some agents on the rooftop and uh, a sniper rifle and uh, one of them takes a shot and uh, Stashi uh, pushes Wayne out of the way. He uh, she gets shot. Yeah, yeah, she gets shot in the yeah, arm. Shot in the arm. He fries these two guys telepathically. Um, we're not Every nerve sure. is filled with pain. Every nerve is filled. My brain's on fire. They just thump over. I don't know if this is as, as permanent as the mind wolf guy looks, but I'm guessing we'll sense. never find out. Probably be a thorough follow up if we follow those two agents uh, next issue or in their hospital stay or something. So. Wayne's like, come on, Stasi, hurry, will you? We have to only got a couple blocks to go. She's healing herself. Um, They're amazingly determined at this point to bring this body back to their orphanage, basically. Right? I mean, they've been stopped by the cops, they've been shot at, the building fell on them. (laughs) You know, they're trying to get, they're getting assassinated almost, (laughs) healing gunshot wounds, you know, grab the carpet, keep Dragon Proud Hawk back. It's it's like a you're trying to get to um, um, like your embassy, like right. uh, you know we'll be safe once we get there. There's no like sanctuary law that you know. Oh, once you make it to your homeless shelter, you're absolved of all. Right. right. I suppose at this point they're probably so terrified. It makes sense. You might not be thinking completely clearly, but. <laughs> those agents couldn't possibly kill all these kids right that would be horrible. yeah things are just getting worse as they go along so i mean the heat is is still rising and it's an interesting conversation with um wayne is again like you know why don't i just get leave by myself and uh um go ahead i, I i'm out of here the went classic wayne line i guess yeah we're close enough. Um, and Michael tells him, we're coming with us all the way. If you take another step, I'll blow you up. <laughs> um, they argue and Tyrone tells him, you're really something, Tiger. You could have left any time and pushed us into thinking it was our idea. So why do you stay this long if you don't want to? You know, you can just leave whenever you want at any point. Yeah, All right. Get a kick out of jerking people around, then hurting them. Your old man would be proud. Well, that's that's a burn. That's a burn that takes it, takes it home to Wayne because he's like, okay, well, I'll grab my end of the rug now. Yeah. <laughs> so Colby and uh, Skipper are still talking about um, that. Colby wants the kids to go, and then they show up. They drop the rug. They are surrounded by cops and feds. And the, um, they open the rug to reveal the dead body of Hawk. He's made it to his final destination, finally, though. So the um, skipper tells the special forces guy, well, there you go. That's what you wanted. Now get out of here. And uh, the guy's like, um, I still want these kids. They don't answer us uh, open fire. And the, the kids are um, pretty worried. Um, 
Let's see. Wayne can read everyone's mind. He knows they will just shoot them in a couple yeah. of seconds. He says, we're dead meat. There's too many to push them all. I'm tired. And maybe I could get the one who's aiming at me. Mm-hmm. But, Thanks again um, on that one. All the others will be uh, cut up. And um, Stasi saved my life. So, okay. I'll tell you all, he says, steps out into the front, brings up that weird medallion that Proudhawk had given him and uh, tells them all to join into Cyhawk. Yeah. Now, they all sort of jump together and just then the leader's saying, they're trying something, fire. So just as they get together, uh, they are all shot a lot by these <laughs> cops. Can't, I couldn't believe this panel. <laughs> it's uh, pretty, I mean, it's sort of um, silhouetted, so you don't see this, but you see a lot of like blood splatter yeah. and stuff coming the, from these. The, the American agents, kids. you know, were more jumpy than the Russian KGB. <laughs> you know, the KGB was like, you know, ready for the psychic standoff. They wanted to kind of capture the kids. The Americans, eh, let's just kill them all. And they do. <laughs> is this the end of uh, Force? but the this is a, a little confusing because it is after their bodies are on the ground that the cyhawk is born yep you see it and it is larger than than before um it's taking um Taking to the sky, it goes up a bit, and it's a little vague what happens, but it seems to be throwing cars around and the people like around. It goes into astral and... form to avoid the gunfire. You know, picks up the cars uh, with the Tele- telekinesis, telekinesis power, explodes them with Crawley's power, right? And you know, maybe that just kind of knocks everybody out. Yeah, with Wayne Wayne's power, and then maybe heals the kids with yeah. Anastasia's power. Okay, we got all powers on deck. Good. And the so all the agents are. Where are we? What are we doing here? I don't know. I don't remember. And um, Cyhawk goes back to the kids who are alive, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's healing them there. Um, it's over. I guess we did it. And uh, Skipper says something that uh, he, the Cyhawk, let him remember. So I guess he remembered um, that some part of Proudhawk was still there and it remembered him. So he was going to honor that and try to help these kids. So they all go into sanctuary together. Um, he and, hasn't really met them yet, so he doesn't know just how much trouble they can be. <laughs> you're you're biting off a little more than most of us could chew there, Skipper. But as is Colby, who has changed her mind about kicking the kids out. So problem kids that need the kind that need help the most, you know. But different doesn't mean bad. They need rest. Come back in the morning, you can talk to them. Maybe. Next issue, warriors. Warriors, nice. I'm hoping that means. Um, it's a reference to the um, movie about gangs in New York City. Oh. Well, it can't possibly be more dangerous than the CIA agents. 
Probably not. By the way, I was going to um, have uh, the the um, the blurbs for these issues at the at the top. I forgot. So Nightmask, according to the Marvel checklist in the, these issues, Nightmask number two was Nightmask enters the dreams of his first patient, but will he cure the patient or kill him? Yeah, that that checks out. That checks out. And Cyforce number two, their protector is dead. The CIA is after them. Sanctuary is far, far away. And Cyforce is fighting for their lives. That checks also out. That checks out. They died. <laughs> the, um, uh, so we did have, uh, I don't know, this, this was so like, put together with the first issue that it's it almost feels like it would have been a good double issue or something mm-hmm. um, yeah there's 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 a in second read and then going over it again you know you know with the benefit of seeing it so many times um you know it's got a, like kind of like a movie like quality so, so ultimately they're going on this journey you know, taking him back to the sanctuary. So we get that in bits and pieces and all the trouble they run into along the way. As you know, you get some backstory on the cops and they're talking about what are they going to do and the different agents and such. And it all kind of comes together in the end. Uh, you know, almost like an adventures and babysitting kind of vibe kind of thing, but you know, <laughs> with more brutal murder and psychic uh, sci-hawks. Yeah. But the, um, I mean, if this is uh, was just sort of more setting up with the um, uh, Colby Shaw, the people at Sanctuary, and the Skipper, who's a CIA contact, and sort of where we go from here, that sounds uh, reasonable. I mean, certainly yeah. that would have been a lot to throw into the first issue. We got we met Colby that time, but she didn't really seem to be doing much more than welcoming them to this place. Right, dealing with those whippersnappers, and uh, yeah, the um, the I, I took a look at the Wikipedia page for Cyforce this week, and uh, it no said that um, it was actually it was one of the most popular um series. Okay, the the um. Uh, you know, dialogue amongst the kids, that sort of clash of personalities was had that sort of X, X-Men um, vibe to it that people liked. Right. So that was, that was what one writer uh, thought would, had it as its strengths. And I'd say that's definitely in um, evidence here. You have these five very clear personalities slash stereotypes and they're yeah they're struggling through this um sort of self-inflicted yeah um, issue uh come across a lot of conflict and learn to sort of work together or at least not get in each other's way yeah right because it's certainly not at the level of working together or all liking each other or anything like that and 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 yeah as as i say you know May There's no point be. where I get the feeling these guys are all going to put on a uniform of like, lo- let's look like each other. Yeah. <laughs> learn how to do um, fastball specials or whatever it was that mm-hmm. you know, like Colossus would throw Wolverine through the wall or something. 
and, and will they become Psy Force, right? You know, like, you know, the Kickers Inc. is very deliberately let's team up, right? But they're all buddies, right? Psy Force is the name of the comic. We have a bunch of psychic kids, uh, you know, but basically they've just been running from one disaster to the other in these first two issues, so. And they're definitely yeah, they forced to work together. They're not uh, enjoying it. And a couple of them would really rather just leave at any moment if they could, um, which all, you know, yeah, realistic. I mean, yeah. the, the, there's, there's not a lot of talk about what they're going to do with these powers in the future or anything. They're just yeah. sort of have developed them and want to, get back to life i guess right we're we're not talking caught. about saving people or you know yeah there's it's problems. more they're they're caught up in this cold war um conflict where the both sides have decided to use uh oh we there's psychic powers out there okay well then we need ours because the other side will get theirs which is the same thing I think that guy, the government guy, was saying in Night Mask. We have to like be brutal and monstrous because other, you know, you know, the other guys are going to be brutal and monstrous. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, right. Uh, and that sort of behind the scenes collecting of people who have gained powers too, which showed up in DP Seven, of course. Um, yeah, and the Cyforce, a is really because of the the Cyhawk forces them to be the five together. You can't just have like a couple of them wander off and do one thing and you know expect to be operating at full power. Um, and you can't you know uh, expand the team. Oh, I'm, there's so many Cyforce guys now. I, I can right. Um, so it, it it has some like good narrative uh, hooks and but also limitations, which is good, so. Yeah, and probably the breakout character. Um, I don't know. Who? Wayne is definitely the, the star of the new universe for me as the yeah, he's, agitated uh, teen who hates his dad and doesn't take any crap and doesn't like anybody. <laughs> and has a leather gloves, yeah. a lot of grimacing. We can only uh, hope to have more. Uh, it'll be like Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, except it'll be Wayne and the Psy Force at some point. Right. <laughs> we need a Rob Liefeld cover where he's screaming <laughs> in, the, in the center of the page. Yeah. Uh, the image guys are, are just barely, not even on the horizon at this point. So. Um, We'll see. I think one of one or two of them show up during in the new universe, so we have that to look forward to. But nice. We won't spoil it yet, though. Rob himself is probably 14, 13 at this point. So I don't, right. I don't know. Um. So one. yeah, let's. See. Any uh, closing thoughts on Cyforce? Yeah. So uh, this one, you know, gave me the same sort of feelings. It's like all of the uh all the talk about the recap and what was going on and, and like you know the government agents spent a lot of time talking about 
uh, Proud Hawk, who we all know is already dead, right? So there's a lot of page time, them kind of talking about him and you know, how we need to capture him and how we're, I'm his old friend and these sorts of things, um, though he's wrapped up in a, in a rug, right? So those parts can get a little slow. Um, and, you know, I, I like the team interactions. I like they're kind of getting to know each other, get to see them use their powers a little bit more, uh, you know, which they hadn't really done too much up until now. Uh, they're not really an effective team, which is cool. Um, but yeah, you know, it's hard to think of much other than that brutal panel where the CIA just guns all five of them down for reaching for a medallion. Uh, you know, you'd think that these tough guys could, you know, grab them and cuff them or something or at least try um but uh yeah so thank then we get like the last issue you know just a little bit of sci hawk in the end a little bit of action so first read you know it, it's kind of dull and a little odd you know second read and kind of talking through it you know it's, it's still got a lot of great wayne one-liners you get to hear that he hates his dad <laughs> Uh, a lot of good stuff there kind of wrapped in uh, you know maybe you could do with a little less of the um, CIA background noise I don't think it adds yeah. that much to it <laughs> the opposition was a little diffused but I guess we do get the sense that you know just because the KGB is looking for them doesn't mean that the CIA is their friends Yeah. so these kids are on their own in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, uh, any any hopes of becoming a government-sponsored super team are dashed now, I would say. Yeah. Mm. Well, they definitely tried to tie in the, you know, you know, the whole TV show angle, you know, seemed a little silly too in terms of, you know, what should we do with troubled youth and such? Yeah. Mm. But it's fine <laughs> it's uh yeah it's not very uh san francisco there, there's like the obligatory um the skipper drives past a cable car at some point yeah but um you know they, just because they name drop a couple of these places and things it's it doesn't have like a feel for um for that town but um yeah overall it's a little exhausting i, I think you're in terms yeah. of uh, the dialogue and the narration boxes both and i mean recapping everything in the first couple of pages in the previous issue while that's a good um technique to get people on board um it's it a little it, unnecessary in this comic which you know is directly after right so yeah you really yeah. have to read it's not time. like here what happened last year this has happened last week come on man <laughs> um last month okay yeah, but the but... the um overall flow to it once it sort of gets going is is good it's uh um rising action you're not uh yeah and just slowed but... down too much Although there are, you're sort of flipping back and forth through several groups of, you know, characters. So maybe that's a little diffused. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you're used to this uh, density of writing, I think that'll help as we go along. Yeah, which I usually appreciate, you know, 
I, I like this era of comics and lots of words and lots of details and the, the narration boxes and you know a, a bunch of characters and I, I think that's generally kind of fun and, and if you take the comic and just sort of a basic view of like a bunch of psychic powered kids dragging a dead body through San Francisco we're all getting harassed and shot at like that's an interesting story like that's pretty wild stuff um yeah i think uh but yeah just some of it gets a little distracting as they break up the action but yeah definitely still a good comic i, I like cyforce i like the characters yeah i'm excited to learn more about him you know to hear more about characters other than uh anastasia who we got a lot of first issue and then I guess this is maybe a little more of a Wayne issue. Uh, though he's always going to take center stage, just shouting and shaking his fist at everybody. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they'll do sort of um, that purposefully, like going through each character, focusing on them uh, in the first five issues or so. I mean, that's what we do now, but... Yeah, will it happen then? Yeah, maybe we not. Got- we got 32 we'll issues. If they kill off Wayne, I'm going to be mad. Retroactively, since this happened <laughs> 30 some years ago. <laughs> I'm going to I, figure uh, out who's still alive and send them an angry letter. <laughs> I would honestly worry more about him becoming nice than, um, than dying at this point. But then I'm, he'd be dead to me. So I'm pretty sure. Sh- safe in 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 assuming that one of these characters is going to get switched out at some point to sort of prove that you you know need five but maybe not necessarily this five or something so like every episode of voltron ever (laughs) (laughs) someone is always kind of held captive for a little bit to prevent them from joining from forming voltron Oh. but then eventually they always come together yeah. and then generally slice a giant monster in half and that's the end of it but I've watched a lot of Voltron so ladies <laughs> and gentlemen Andy you know, analyzes everything in terms of Voltron so <laughs> I give this know. four Voltrons out of five not a complete <laughs> Voltron but it's got two legs and an arm <laughs> Oh, but actually it, it, it's kind of spot on because he, he usually doesn't show up until the very end and then he makes short work of whatever was menacing them and that's Cyhawk, right he took seconds to handle the whole situation bring everyone back to life and boom right yeah so, it works uh we'll analogy. see how the i'm sorry uh, the analogy works <laughs> yeah yeah we'll see how if they sort of stick to this formula and how how long um if they try to shake it up a bit with that yeah i imagine they will for 32 issues you know we're gonna get some interesting directions i'm sure i've only i've never read any of it i've peeked at the covers as i've been collecting them but uh i'm trying not to spoil myself this was the only yeah long of the long running series that i never went back and read all of so yeah well we can fix that now Finally. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) Finally got that off my bucket list. Uh, Do we have a grade for uh, Cyforce number two? 
I'll stick with my four out of five Voltrons. <laughs> that would be 80%. And so that would, I would, for my grading system, I'm a softy. I would call that a B. Okay. A I B would minus. also give it a B. I, I feel a little generous with it, but it's... Um... It's not perfect, but it's got a lot to like. It's yeah, I'm liking it more than I would have expected, or or I, I mean, I must have looked at it on the stands back in the day and made a decision to avoid it. And I'm not quite sure why now. Yeah, but, honestly, um, I think it does get better when you talk when you when we talk about it and kind of goof about it because it just it's just makes it a, you kind of emphasize the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So that gives us a couple of uh, um, um, fun adventures today from Night, For- Night Mask and Psy Force. Night Force? Psy Mask? Yeah. Who are these people? Hey, Night Force was a G.I. Joe sub team <laughs> when they just decided to paint different colors on the characters and sell them again. Oh, man. I got obscure 80s toy knowledge. Uh, you know, I, I have some trivia, but, you know, I'm sorry, not the G.I. Joe. Toys. Well, you were on top of Albert Schweitzer, so you have maybe the more intellectual side. <laughs> that was, I don't know why that was such a, a reference, but in like, people would all be, oh, you just think you're Albert Schweitzer, aren't you? So. Uh it's like He's oh the, wow, the prototypical good you know. guy kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Whereas I'll I don't be, know. I'm like, why does Andy keep comparing Justice and Merc to Voltron? Enough with the Voltron. <laughs> I'll get back on my uh, Death Wish and whatever. This is more like Death Wish Four than Death Wish Five. I you know I don't want to. Not the one that had the lady from Star Trek in it. <laughs> <laughs> Still need to watch Death Wish. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, we'll we'll get back to those um, next time. Let's see. The next week is Kickers Inc. Yeah. And Mark Hazard Merck. Merck. I'm looking forward we will, to we will go into number two, uh, consciously doing the body count. So yes. tune in next week to find out how many. Uh, we're marked. We're hoping for lots. See you next time. <laughs>